Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm embarrassed. Me too. (laughs) Sometimes we chat a little bit before we heat up the mics about what we might do with our Marin. This is not one of those times. Nah. No, we'll just, we'll do it live. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) I mean, that's a whole square on our, uh game of buttholes but uh today it doesn't mean what it means on that board just means it's never felt more real you can find something to talk about there must be something you uh you ready for the holidays ben oh yeah the holidays uh, are very very proximate to this episode how was your thanksgiving what is this uh this is a december 15th i've got it as december 10th december 10th episode so I guess Hanukkah will have just ended, mm. and Christmas is just around the corner. A lot of big days. Kwanzaa just around the corner as well. I hope by this point in our release schedule, we've gotten a holiday episode into the donor feed. Yeah, that would be good, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, holidays stressful time for many people, uh, ourselves yeah. included. Yeah, we add extra episodes for ourselves to edit mm-hmm. <laughs> during the holidays. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's my job this year since you uh, did the yeoman's duty of editing our uh, our Gremlins episode last year. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. You going to watch um, Gremlins this year for the holidays? Is that going to be part of your tradition or no? I'm, I might see if wifey is up for it. I'm not sure. Um, Excited to see what your wife thinks of Mr. Futterman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every, t- every time we talk about something I might do with my wife, uh, you know, we're recording this about a month ahead of schedule. I just wonder, will she still be hanging around with a bozo like me that far in the future? Who Oof. knows? <laughs> Dark questions, Ben. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about what we had in mind for our holiday episode? Or do we want that to just be a fun surprise for for the people? Ben, I don't remember what we had in mind for our holiday episode. Uh, we were we were talking about doing Heat. Oh yeah, because a lot of people don't realize that Heat is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's way more of a holiday movie than Die Hard. That, that is so tired. You know what's tired? Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You know what's wired? Heat yeah. is a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Oh, I just I just had a beautiful mental image of a young Adam Pranica receiving his uh, monthly Wired magazine subscription in the mail <laughs> and being gleeful that he got to read about uh, the future of genetic engineering or virtual reality or something. Yeah. Yeah, just kicking back, reading my Wired magazine. Putting it up on the shelf with all the other checkerboard uh, spine wired magazines. Oh, yeah, you can't throw those out. Got to keep them and then move from place to place with them. They're extremely collectible and uh, <laughs> extremely heavy. <laughs> That's a proportion I can get behind. And it's got a great technology section. <laughs> That's got to be why people are sending us their action figures. They are not collectible because they are not heavy. (laughs) I was attempting to straighten my office up a little bit before we sat down to record today. And uh, 
I have just a embarrassment of Star Trek figures that I've received in the mail at this point. It's pretty great, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not playing with the Star Trek figures. Hey, that's your camera, Ben. That one. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's the one with the red light on. Yeah. Top. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm not playing with the Star Trek figures. <laughs> I just. It, that's not uh, the point in my life that I'm at, and I'm very busy. And honestly, if I want to have a little bit of recreational downtime, I'm playing Jazz Horse. I'm not playing with Star Trek figures. Uh, something has happened in my life that I think is. It's a thought technology that I hope works for you, Ben, which is I've made the case that my wife can get some reading done while I play Jazz Horse Oh, as a nice way to unwind at the end of a busy day. The nice thing about Jazz Horse is that it's a pretty like inoffensive sonic experience. Like it's a lot of just like riding a horse around and a guitar track plays while you do it. Yeah. I mean, at its best, that's what the game is. Sometimes a gunfight breaks out, but that is fortunately like fairly few and far between. I'm usually avoiding gunfights these days. Yeah. Yeah. I love letting the uh, the sonic landscape of, of Jazz Horse wash over me. I'll, I'll see if I can pitch my wife on it. I doubt it. I you, honestly doubt it. You know what's happening to me in Jazz Horse? And I think what what we've what we're going to do here is probably turn our Marin open into a Jazz Horse update. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like I find that my real life is bleeding into Jazz Horse in such a way that like I find my feelings are hurt when I go into a town and no one wants me there. Yeah. I don't like that feeling at all. No. I'm just here to pet your dog and like study your cattle. Yeah. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I just want to hold R1 while looking at a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you something. Some people are very hostile to that idea. I want to spend 25 minutes picking out different materials for a varmint rifle. <laughs> Where are you going to get the raw materials for that, Ben? I don't know. That's uh, what, uh, it's the bane of my fucking existence ever since I was seven. I spent a good 40 minutes just uh, just carving X's into the tips of my bullets. Whoa, I didn't even know you could carve X's into the tips of your bullets. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, you got to do some crafting. You doing any crafting? I haven't even gotten into the crafting element of Jazz Horse. You take a knee, Ben. You start doing some crafting. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you can make explosive ammunition out of bear fat and bullets. (laughs) Now, mind you, I've done all the crafting and I've never actually fired an explosive bullet at anyone or anything. Yeah. So who knows how that's going to work? Well, you'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it, right? I spent about two hours playing low-limit blackjack in Jazz Horse a while ago. <laughs> like, a game in the in the video game world that it's impossible to get either rich or poor in. Just yeah. like, what am I doing? I'm such a degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> I had the cockeyed optimism when I sat down to that blackjack table. Oh, maybe I'll enjoy gambling if it's virtual. And uh, I played like two hands and I was like, no, I don't even enjoy this kind of gambling. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's what's weird, right? Like like you can't just become the character. You you take yourself and you put him into that character. Yeah. You can't change for Jazz Horse. Jazz Horse is my, is my new reality, you know? 
You know what I'm also figuring out is that I can't fully relax playing Jazz Horse. Like, I've noticed that, like, I feel a great amount of tension while I'm playing it. That's not what that's for. No, you gotta, you gotta, gotta let, let that go. go and ride the prairie. You gotta let go and let horse. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't ding that, I'm quitting the show. That's one of my favorite show titles ever. <laughs> All right, I guess my hands are tied, much like a character in Jazz Horse. Yeah. Wow. Well, interesting characters aplenty in Jazz Horse, Ben. Why don't you see if uh, if they also populate the episode for today? It's season three, episode 16 of Deep Space Nine. Profit Motive. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no. Of course you don't. An episode directed by René Abergenois. <laughs> Abergenois. <laughs> Could you tell? He makes a big statement opening this episode on Quirk's O-Face. Uh, uh, am I doing it right? Quirk is busting nuts and making money moves at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> He's getting his earlobes fondled by a... Lovely young lady who is interested in buying some self-stealing stem bolts from him. Oh, the self-stealing stem bolts, Adam. Kind of feel like Quark's stem bolt is going to self-seal the longer <laughs> she starts uh, fondling those ears. Is this the same stem bolts? Are they different ones? Do they keep coming into supplies of self-sealing stem bolts? I think it's the very same cache of stem bolts. Huh. Didn't Nog own them, though? Yeah. Did Nog trick Quark into buying them from him? I mean, I wouldn't put it past Nog. I wouldn't put it past us to forget the conclusion to that story. (laughs) Fair. Very fair. Well, this lady is uh, a whole new type of loaf. She's... uh, Got like feathers in her hair and uh, a ridge down her entire face. And uh, she's pretty sweet on Quark and, uh, and wants, to, wants to get this deal finalized. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, not so fast. Like, we'll sign, the, we'll sign the documents or whatever, but why don't you finish off this, uh, this ear snog you're giving me? Like, she's smart enough to realize that Umox can get you whatever you want from a Ferengi, but she's not smart enough to know that you got to finish him off. Right. Otherwise, Quark is going to, is going to hold it over your head. And you got to lobe edge him a little bit, like (laughs) extract some concessions in the negotiation while, you know, limiting the amount of contact your fingers are making with the ears. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of uh, Umox interrupt us here because uh, <laughs> Rom enters and, and immediately kills the mood, as he often does. Professional cooler Rom uh, has uh, some fairly urgent news about a visitor, and uh, Quark is like in the process of brushing him off when, uh, when we hear a thunk, and it is the scepter of Grand Negasek, who has uh, put on a hood that covers his face entirely. But, uh, you know, that scepter is uh, unmistakable. Just going to ask you directly a question that I think is on the minds of a lot of our viewers, Ben. Uh-huh. Is Grand Negasek the Loxana Troy of Deep Space Nine? <laughs> 
Uh, hard yes. Yeah, I think so too. You know what you're in for when he shows up before your credits. I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing that happens in a Loxana episode where the the entry is always a slide whistle in yeah. a way that betrays the fact that the writers and directors know that this is bad. Yeah. I mean, Rene Abergenois is no slouch in the actor reputation department. Yeah. And this is his first, this is his directorial debut on the show. He would go on to direct seven more episodes. But uh, kind of a heavy lift to direct the great Wallace Shawn. Like, you got legacy actor directing legacy actor here. Kind of an exciting combination. And uh, Wallace Shawn, I mean, such a diva, right? (laughs) Yeah. Noted ass, Wallace Shawn. (laughs) I mean, his his reputation precedes him. (laughs) He is a real hard guy to work with and not avuncular in the slightest. (laughs) Yeah. You better tighten it up when he's on set. (laughs) We come back from our title sequence, and uh, Dr. Bashir is uh, dicking around in his lab doing some... uh, It looks like he's maybe doing some science on on the remains of a Ferengi. He's got like a hockey puck that he's (laughs) got under some sort of sensor apparatus. Yeah, if there's a puck involved, you must suspect Ferengi. Good call. Yeah. If they're... There's a puck. The Ferengi must be a muck. In the words of the great Johnny Cochran, <laughs> if there's a puck, Ferengi are a muck. Boy, just... God, our, sh- our show sucks lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Greatest Gen used to be good. Yeah, now they just uh, they just make the most bargain basement jokes they can possibly think of. It's very embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, Getting it used to, to be embarrassing roots. that they were Star Trek podcasters. Now it's embarrassing that they're bad podcasters. Mm. Dr. Bashir being notified that he is nominated for a Carrington Award. Yeah, he comes down to the conference room. <laughs> What's this? It's a bit of a surprise party. They're like pouring him a glass of champagne and he's like what is this brown champagne (laughs) and uh with dr bashir's attitude you'd think the award was called the i don't carrington award (laughs) in your face science community god just edit that out (laughs) not gonna do it (laughs) Bashir feels awkward because... If I edit that out, then people will think that you're funnier than me. Mm. No, we can't if I leave that, that in, they'll, they'll know that you're just as bad as I am. That's fair. I'm in good company. The problem with any Lifetime Achievement Award, Ben, is that it's usually given to an old. Yeah. Thus, awarding someone's lifetime of achievements... And Bashir right. feels weird about this because he's a, he's a younger guy. Like, if, if he wins a Lifetime Achievement Award now... What does he have to look forward to? Yeah, I really didn't dig the way the staff pulled this shit on him. No. I have uh, made it clear several times to my wife that a surprise party is an unwelcome type of party in my existence. I've never had a surprise party sprung on me. Have you had one sprung on you and, and it wasn't fun? No, I've, I've just, I've, I've imagined my mind state. 
Here's here's the comparison, Adam. I always say that <laughs> surprise free barbecue. That, that camera, Ben. Okay, this this camera. Yeah. Surprise free barbecue is the worst possible thing in the entire world. Because mm. if I'm gonna go get some barbecue, I want to know well ahead of time. I like I'm gonna cross train. I'm gonna do things to prepare my my body and soul for the thing I'm about to do. You're going to empty the chamber. If I show up somewhere and they're like, surprise, there's free barbecue. You don't even have to pay for it. The likelihood that I've eaten a peanut butter sandwich right before getting there is like more than 100% somehow, you know? Your hostility to a surprise party is like oddly and unnecessarily specific. Like, <laughs> like you're assuming that any surprise party thrown for you will involve barbecue? No, no. Am I getting that right? No, I'm just, I'm saying that a surprise party like free surprise barbecue is, is, it seems like it would be good, but it's bad. Yeah, like what if you had a surprise earlier in the day? Right. (laughs) You're just living a life of surprises, Ben. I don't want surprises. That's what I'm saying. I want to, I want to have... Like advance warning about all social interactions or food things so that I can prepare myself for them. And that, that's what sucks about this. Like Bashir is getting d- the double negative of a surprise party and everybody knew about this accolade before he did. And he has had no time to formulate a response to this. I don't know, Ben. I think I, I, think I would enjoy barbecue twice in one day. <laughs> Give me all that barbecue. Hey, there's a pretty, uh, pretty good barbecue place that opened up down the street from me. Uh, we should mm. go there next time you're in Los Angeles. Do they do a beef rib? I don't know if I've recovered from our Austin beef rib. <laughs> Boy, you know, if I'm getting a rib, I'm getting a pork rib nine times out of nine, unless I'm in Texas. So I'm just a single pork rib. <laughs> Well, I'm getting a rack because that's, uh-huh. I mean, that's the nice thing about a pork rib is you can have a lot of them. Yeah. So uh, I don't actually know the answer to that question. Uh, you know what I think a, a rack of pork ribs is? Kind of a quagmire amount of ribs. <laughs> yeah. Which is why you wouldn't want to have receive an entire rack of pork ribs for free by surprise. Hmm. All right. I'm coming around to your way of thinking now. This is okay. this is the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> Having a bunch of friends get together to to celebrate you is a good thing unless you don't have if unless you're unprepared for it. So so Bashir kind of storms out. He's like I got to get back to work. Like you guys Why would we at any point in our lives <laughs> be expecting our friends to celebrate us? This is like the main problem with your hypothesis. I I know I I neither expect it nor want it and I've I've <laughs> taken measures to prevent it <laughs> happening by surprise. You you've taken prophylactic measures. Yes. All right. If you need them, I've got crazy prophylactics. <laughs> so yeah, Dax is like, hey, Julian, what, what is up your butt? Like, this is a big deal. Like, you got nominated for this big prize. And he explains the thing about how, like, the lady that, one of the other people that's nominated this year got nominated three years ago when she was a tender 103 years old. People said it was premature. Uh, tender and grisly at that age. <laughs> You're going to want to go low and slow on that one. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of collagen that you need to break down, and there's no way to do that at a high heat. 
episode so far ben yeah but it's good but i uh, i mean i like that uh like the idea is that bashir is a fucking genius you know like he 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 was we often forget that don't we yeah he made it to the short list in spite of the fact that he's young dumb and full of cum yeah like his origin story is about slumming it on deep space nine doing western medicine like i i i rarely consider the idea that he is Probably the most qualified person on the entire station. Did you say Western medicine, but mean frontier medicine? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. Should I retake it? No, I just, I like it so much. I meant Western in the in the jazz horse parlor. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> I just wish I'd ever heard my dad go off on a rant about the greed that underlies the frontier medicine industry. <laughs> It's all herbs and elixirs. Yeah. That's how, that's how you heal things. Zek has taken up shop in Quark's Quarters, which is a difficult couple of words to say back to back. Quark, yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of like drive-time radio DJs prepare themselves to go on the air by saying Quark's Quarters five times fast. It's a situation that's necessitated him to room with Rom. Yeah. And Rom's place is a fucking dump, Ben. Yeah. Quirk is like, uh, you know, coming home after a hard day's work, he replicates himself a fucked up margarita and uh, he's <laughs> walking around the quarters just, you know, like there's plates of food on the floor, there's garments strewn everywhere and uh, Quirk does- Do you think they serve a fucked up margarita at Drunk Shimoda's? <laughs> Fucking A. I bet they do. But that's the specialty of the house. And- uh, You can get that Western style, Ben. Oh, Yeah. That's great. Uh, I, I mean, if there's a frontier style, I would love that, but I'll take Western style if that's the only option. It's got a got a prickly pear on a toothpick <laughs> on the rim. Speaking of prickly things, uh, Rom comes in uh, drilling out the inside of his ear with some kind of apparatus. Cork lays into him about how, how filthy the uh, the quarters are. They have a they have a bit of a tiff that results in Quark realizing that almost everything in Rom's apartment is shit that Rom stole from Quark's business. Yeah, this is fun. If you work in retail, there's this thing known as shrink, right? And shrink is a term that's used for uh, things that walk off the sales floor. Yeah, if you work in my underpants, there's also a thing known as shrink. Well, I just got back from swimming in the pool. Ben, I understand why they don't go this far in this scene, mm-hmm. but I so wanted the physical comedy moment of Rom taking the drill out of his ear and then flinging earwax like <laughs> all around the room from the still spinning drill bit. <laughs> that would have been great. I know. What are you doing, like, Renee? Messy comedy, though, on television, like that's that's not a combination that mixes well. All right, here's a challenge to the Friends of DeSoto. I know that you guys hit the conventions a lot, and Renee Aubergenois is no no stranger Who? to those conventions. Renee Aubergenois is no stranger yeah. to those conventions. I want video of somebody getting up to ask the question in the Q&A portion of a, of a panel that he is on and ask why in the scene when Ram walked in with the ear cleaning device, did he not pull it out of his ear and earwax fly all over the place? 
And I want video oh. of it. Like I want like one friend of DeSoto asking the question and another friend of DeSoto holding the camera and I want to get his response. I want to know what he thinks about this. I want to give this person an out. If it look, if you're a friend of DeSoto and you feel uncomfortable asking a question like this, I would recommend you say you don't have a question and it's more of a comment. <laughs> and you could say something like, I think you should have had Rom withdraw the the ear bit and drill apparatus from his ear and fling ear boogers all over the room. <laughs> and then you just sit down. Yeah. Having given your comment. Yeah, that might be the way to do it. I mean, choose whatever path you're comfortable with, is what I would say. Yeah, fair. Well, they come to the inescapable conclusion that it's unacceptable that the leader of the entire Ferengi Alliance is borrowing one of their apartments and not just getting his own fucking apartment. So, kind of slumming it, huh? Yeah, like, and we, this has been, this has come up before, right? Like, Nagus Zek has tried to crash with them before. It doesn't make sense. Like, there's got to be 4,000 free condo units on the station. Especially because he's rolling with that giant valet. Yeah. Get your own place, Zach. Get your own fucking place, you prick. (laughs) Well, they uh, storm across the hallway, and uh, Court kind of loses his nerve right at the end and makes Rom ring the doorbell. Don't worry. If you need me, I'll be close by. And uh, out comes Zach. He's in the in the highest of spirits. Rom! What can I do for you, my boy? And um, he invites Rom in and Quark invites himself in along with them. We'd be delighted. Quark, I knew you'd be lurking around here someplace. <laughs> <laughs> Zek is just delighted to announce that uh, that he's working on the uh, the thing he'll be remembered for, which is the complete clearing out of Quirk's quarters. <laughs> yeah, his life's work is throwing all of Quirk's furniture <laughs> into the garbage heap. Apparently, <laughs> uh, it was getting in the way of his work. That is his uh, his giant valet guy. I wonder if Zek's wordless giant valet and Loaxana Troy's gi- wordless giant valet ever get together and talk to each other? Oh, yeah. I'm sure they have a lot in common. Do you think that uh, thanks for the drinks is like the main thing they say to each other? Do you think Ginger Jesus's dick valet had <laughs> that person survived a phaser blast set to gore uh-huh. would also be a welcome participant in that conversation? I don't know. Just... uh. Uh, you guys think you have it tough. Yeah. I carry around that guy's dick. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at Zek, I can't imagine he'd have much need for a dick valet, right? Oh, man. Zek's- or maybe he's maybe he's packing and we just don't know it. Zek might have a crank on him. I mean, he, <laughs> he definitely has that big Ferengi energy. Yeah, he really does. He's very excited about his new book. It's a uh, very strangely shaped book. Uh, but he hands it to Quirk, and uh, they open it up and uh, discover that it contains the revised rules of acquisition by Grand Negasek. They start reading it, and uh, they just don't ring true to Quirk and Rom, these these new rules of acquisition. Yeah, it's a really fun, like, all right, well, let's give it a try. Why don't you try reading the first one? And they read the first one, and it is deeply disappointing. And so we get our rare... Giant person's tears to commercial, yeah. Ben. 
Uh, at one point during the scene, Zach grabs Quark's ear, and it, it, it's it, it's a little bit like pinching a cheek. But mm. based on the opening shot of this episode, it made me think it might also be a bit like a dick tap, like a uh, "Hey, read my book, right. buddy," like a like a cup check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these rules are sentimental and kind, and kind of like holiday appropriate, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they're like the uh, LL Bean rules of acquisition. Mm. You know, always accept a return, no matter how trashed the product is like if you go to a uh, restaurant that serves fortune cookies there are legit fortune cookies that are clearly like good the good kind yeah. and then there are the kind that are meant for families right this is that kind yeah and they're very family friendly like you know money can never replace dignity like family over profit all that stuff interestingly enough gender roles not referred to in any of these revised rules and I thought that was interesting, right? Like, I guess the rules of acquisition aren't necessarily focused on on how the culture treats itself with respect to gender. Yeah. And, and instead are purely focused on, like, profit motive. But, like, a woman's role in Ferengi culture is a part of that. Yeah. And it would have been interesting to have had even a throwaway rule of acquisition that was like, you know, treat your spouse like like a special person, like an equal. Yeah. And I think there's like a couple of other indications that Zek has not really moved on that issue in this episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So kind of a kind of a weird omission. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale, in a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. Oh, oh, I don't use the bucket anymore. Quark thinks that this is some sort of code, like they're being tested by Zek, like in a way. In the way that powerful people acting crazy often have their underlings like explaining away the crazy for them right. at, in a way to make them seem like, oh, they're just on a different level that you couldn't possibly understand. Yeah, that video wasn't doctored. It was just sped up. Right. Quark is is explaining the insanity of Ferengi leadership as, well, it's got to be a code that they need to crack. And so their plan is to lay back in the cut and wait for the truth to reveal itself to them. Yeah. And Ram is like fully on the side of like Zek has fucking lost his marbles, but yeah. Quark is like, no man, he, he's playing steps ahead of all of us. He's, he's a chess master and we're just playing checkers, man. And the checkers pieces are dead Ferengi. <laughs> King me. <laughs> In Quark's bar, Zek is like doing the thing where he's buying beers for everyone. Yeah. And ruining the the pre-credits cold open scene where Quark was trying to sell those stem bolts. Like, he is a wrecking crew on the station right now. He's also, like, turning down snuff. He's he's, uh, cleaned his act up, W slash R slash T, drug use. Yeah, because it's cruel to the Beatles. It might be fun for you and me, but it's no fun for the Beatles. You know what else is cruel to the Beatles, Ben? All these stereo reissues of their music. <laughs> I would say that that's uh, the only thing making the Beatles listenable. Hmm. I mean, the, this is not an episode of Roderick on the Line. This is an episode of The Greatest Generation. We're not going right. to sit here and talk about the fucking Beatles for half an hour. Yeah. Ben, have you ever bought a round for a bar? I've bought a round for my buds. I've never bought a round for the entire room. And Quark's is a big bar. Like... I know. 
That's but a, when I see Zek do this, and Zek's an idiot in this episode, I kind of want the feeling of having done that. Ben, you've been to my local bar before. I feel yeah. like this is something that I could, like, that that wouldn't totally blow up my wallet. Like, right. Because there's only at any given time maybe eight people there. Yeah, and, and like eight Rainiers yeah. is not going to break the bank. kind of want that feeling. I should it's, try it's, that sometime. It's weird because it seems douchier the bigger the spend is. Like if yeah. you walk into a fancy bar that's full of people and do that, it seems creepier and douchier than if you did it in a divey bar that doesn't have that many people in it and there's just like a couple of a couple of people playing pool and one or two people having a drink by the bar and one or two people at the, at the tables like Yeah, and, and my problem is I would never want the credit. Like I would I would only want to do it in secret and then leave. Right. That's the power move, right? It's like you pay your tab, you leave an extra yeah, I think 50 that's, for the bar. That's why it's douchier in a more crowded, expensive yeah. context. Is like It is all about using money that you don't value that much to bring attention on yourself. Right. Yeah, that's and, not a uh, good look. That doesn't necessarily make for Zek looking that great in this. Like it's supposed to no. be this like reformed Zek, but he's uh, he's just out there to stunt and shine, you know? <laughs> like I don't know, Zek. I'm not necessarily convinced that you're all that cleaned up. Yeah, you know what would have been a great look is if Zek bought around for the bar but didn't yell it out and kept it on the down low. Yeah, you're like that's a, how you know he truly changed. You're like James Kennedy, constantly swearing up and down that you've stopped drinking and you've stopped taking shots, and then like every time Lisa Vanderpump gives you a second chance, you fucking get shit house drunk and you ruin one of the nights at Sir, and everybody's mad at you. O'Brien and Bashir have graduated from racquetball to uh, playing darts in the cargo bay. Boy, am I positive that uh, Rene Abergenois is grateful for that. Like, as a director, <laughs> yeah, you do not want to fuck around with racquetball. Like, darts is better. It is so hard to make any racket sport look good yeah. on camera Yeah, if if the people playing it aren't already, like, amazing at it. You don't like, need a nuck suit to play darts either. Yeah, yeah. You can just keep them in the same uniforms, and all you need to do is design up like a little, like it's uh, like a regular the, dartboard with a circle of beep boop lights put around it. Like, if it's you great. keep them, you just said keep them in the same uniforms. Were you talking about the nuck? No, or the characters, the normal uniforms that they wear. <laughs> okay. Bashir is getting real distracted in this episode because the chief is uh, is really laying into him about this Carrington prize. I guess the smart money's on Wade or Patrell. He's uh, he's throwing his darts pretty wild, like hitting the wall quite a bit. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You know, there's a psychology to the game of darts, and uh, if you can if you can distract your little buddy while he's while he's tossing him, uh, it will definitely throw his game off. I kind of feel like if I were on DS9, I would spend a lot of time in the cargo bays. Just checking it out? It kind of seems like a fun place to to do weird shit, like play darts. Yeah. No one's going to bug you in there. Somebody's going to take delivery of their shipment of self-sealing stem bolts, though, and be like, why are there a bunch of little tiny holes in the side of this crate? 
These bullets can't self-seal at all now. <laughs> They're worthless. These space condoms caused a ton of pregnancies that were unplanned. <laughs> they do that thing where uh, they they know all of each other's buttons, right? Like, yeah. O'Brien pushes the Carrington Award button on Bashir. Bashir pushes the Keiko button on O'Brien. It's fun. It's yeah. the sort of currency that good friends have. They have found a game that they're relatively evenly matched at, and part of that is the fact that they know each other's buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Quark walks into, I guess, I don't know what it is that he walks into, but it is being declared as the sector headquarters of the Ferengi Benevolent Association. And oh, Ben, those are his quarters. That oh, that's his quarters? That. His quarters have been assimilated by the Ferengi Benevolent Association. He's a Borg. Oh, no. Ah! <laughs> the guard's a Borg. <laughs> Man, the, the Ferengi Benevolent Collective really doesn't take no for an answer, you know? Resistance appears to be futile. It sucks when your apartment's been turned into a place where the Masons gather, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like it's uh, a place where the Masons gather, and also the guy that uh, the the silent valet for Zek guy mm-hmm. is uh, seems to be running the show to some extent. Like I kind of feel like Rom has like a ceremonial title, but my hairdo, my hairdo has like the operational <laughs> authority. I don't know which is a funnier name, Maherdu or Tiny Ron, which is the name of the actor who plays him. <laughs> don't touch Maherdu. Maherdu. Yeah. Tiny Ron. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah. Fun. This is a great episode. Not of this show, but of, of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I agree. Quark and Rom are less put off by Quark's quarters being assimilated into this weird co-op than they are legit concerned that Zek has a medical problem. And so they take Zek to Bashir to be checked out. Yeah, it's like Cork uh, hauls Zek into Six Bay and is like, hey, uh, this old man, mm-hmm. I mean, it's very sad, but I believe he may, may have come down with a bad case of philanthropy. <laughs> yeah, looks terminal. They run some tests on him and it seems to check out though he doesn't have anything wrong with him that uh, that Bashir can tell his endocrine system's in terrific shape you see I told you this is a scene that confirmed a suspicion that I've had since the last episode which is I feel like they changed the com badges on this show oh shit subtly. really I feel like they are different than what they've been in the episodes before like like an extra like you know how how matte something looks when it's next to something glossy. Uh-huh. Like it looks even more matte than usual. Oh, I feel like there is a, there's a stroke inside of the com badge symbol that is matte. And then the interior is gloss Ooh. that like, I don't know. I just feel like it looks different to me. Wow. Anyway, probably nothing. I couldn't find any evidence of this. I actually did research to try to confirm it, but no dice. Looks the same to me, but uh, I'd uh, I'd be curious to see what people say. Like, write in. Use the hashtag GreatestGen. Let us know. Yeah.
so the thing is, like Bashir finds nothing, and this really irritates Quark and Rom. Irritates them enough that they're going to do a B and E on the Negus's shuttle. They're like trying to break into uh, in through the door, and uh, Maherdu finds them <laughs> and uh, and just like whoop whoops the car open. He's got the other key fob. Yeah, the one that you give to the valet. He's got the valet key, Ben. Yeah, that one's uh, that one's waterproof, unlike uh-huh. the unlike the one that you keep with yourself. Right. And he shows them in. And like one of the things that Nagus has been talking about is this gift that he plans on giving to the Bajorans. Yeah. And what they discover when they get on board the shuttle is that there is a there's a zombie box. The the Negus has come into possession of one of the the orbs of the prophets, and uh, we've heard a little bit about these. Like one of the things set up in the pilot of this show is the idea that there's like a role playing game type quest where Cisco is going to have to account for all these missing orbs, and uh, finally some action on that front. It's another line item in the list of insanity. That's growing for Zek, right? Because, like, Zek Prime would be the type of person who would want to sell this shit back to Bajor for a huge profit. But Malibu Zek is all about uh, giving it back to Bajor. Grand Nagus Zek. (laughs) As the one-person population of Malibu, I can tell you, I very infrequently want to give anything... Besides extermination to other people. A lot of people took the warning signs of my episode of Star Trek The Next Generation as just merely an episode of a fictional television show, but in fact Malibu has burned to the ground and my house is the only thing left. I believe I should be taking it a little bit more seriously at this point. Benjamin R. Harrison. <laughs> I find your interest in making light of a terrible tragedy (laughs) profoundly hurtful. (laughs) And in an effort to head off the many, many letters you are sure to receive, I will just say this. I've destroyed your email inbox and all of the the contents of it like so many hooshnack. In the struggle to get the orb, Cork wants the orb, Ram wants the orb, and in the struggle, uh, the the box opens and Cork has his first orb experience, and it's uh, it does not exactly provide answers, but it does kind of persuade Cork that he should be like taking the profit element of this story a little bit more seriously. How about Rene Abergenois stepping up to the plate and like? directing a orb experience it's pretty intense i thought it was well executed i think maybe better executed than the pilot i really love how things work when you interact with with the orb like i like how the prophets take the form of people you know i like the overexposed diffusion filter look of everything yeah it really works. Like, you could so accidentally haunted house this thing and make it look like shit. And they got it right the first time. And they made a model for what it's like in this world that actually works repeatedly. And 
Right. I think they really got lucky with that. It is the opposite of Q for me, where like Q is in the first episode of TNG and is the worst part right. of that episode in yeah. my estimation. And there's a ton of revision on what Q is and can be over the course of the series. Yeah. This is like, no, like that was pretty good the first time. And this is just a sharpened blade of that. Yeah. Really well done. We have interactions with the prophets a couple of times in this episode, and they're both really strong. Some of the strongest parts of the show. Quirk comes out of this experience convinced that what's wrong with the Negus is that he's high on orb. <laughs> and so they they come up with a plan that they're going to head back into the wormhole. Like they, they think that the Negus like, must have gone into the wormhole and interacted with the aliens. And if they can talk to the aliens about what happened, maybe they can solve the problem. Brother, this is a very brave thing you're doing, taking the Negus back to the wormhole. I wish I could come with you, but I can't. Goodbye. Yeah, I mean, Zek's logs indicate that he grabbed the orb, went into the wormhole to communicate with the prophets, and then he sort of biff tannined the <laughs> sports almanac. Yeah. Like, if, if the orb is the sports almanac... And his ship is the DeLorean, and the wormhole is the flux capacitor. <laughs> that is a workable metaphor, right, Ben? Mm, no. Right, Scott. Because Zek was trying to exploit uh, the orb for financial gain. That's my point. Yeah. He, uh,. He came across Look, the idea. Zek even has that cane that future Biff Tannen has. Come on. Okay. I just don't like, like, it's very triggering to me to hear about future Biff Tannen mm. for contemporary right. political reasons. All right. What's exciting is Quark decides to, like, retrace the steps. Yeah. They, That's the plan. They toss a bag over Zeg's head. My hairdo literally, like, Santa Claus's <laughs> Zek back to the shuttle pod. And, <laughs> and he's enjoying yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I've heard of Stockholm Syndrome, but this is ridiculous. You know, my boy. I should be very angry with you. Are you? And not in the slightest. Zek is having a great time. Yeah. Zek's ship is positively covered in decapitated R2-D2 heads, right? <laughs> I mean, this is a traditional Ferengi design technique. Lots of lots of hemispheres with lines drawn on them. Yeah. And uh, when they get in there, he explains like, oh yeah, like if you want to talk to the prophets, it's easy peasy. You just open that orb box and... Uh, and uh, they will present themselves. And he reaches out and grabs Quark's earlobe one more time, just one, one more dick tap as, as we head into the climax of the episode. So what Quark went through before when he opened up the orb was not talking to the prophets, but this time he is. Yeah. He, Who was he talking to when he was talking to Zek the first time, though? Just a, a figment of that? Yeah, like some echo of the prophets or something. Yeah. Because this is, really is, like, he's talking to not just Zek, but also Mahirdu and Ram and Cisco and Dax and Bashir. Like, they, and he... And you hear Ram talking prophet voice? That is creepy shit. The Cisco said that corporeal beings value their linear existence. It's a creepy scene. Ram being serious is uh, uh, surprisingly yeah. unnerving. <laughs> yeah. Mahirdu talking is not good. No. No, it's all bad. He can't really act when he's talking, which is surprising because he's like pretty good wordlessly. Right. 
but uh but somehow in this scene it's it's not great uh but quirk is as quick on the uptake as cisco ever was he kind of figures out what's going on what the prophets are the fact that they're presenting themselves to him as people he knows and uh and uh he actually is able to pretty quickly get to a point where he is having a conversation with them and arguing for like what you have done to Zach has the potential to like really screw up a lot of people's lives. And I know that like you didn't understand his aggression, but it's actually like really important to a lot of people. And if you could put him back to normal, that would be great. His request isn't met with, uh, with great interest because they see him as so much like Zach that they want to treat him the same way. They're like, Quark, you're just as adversarial, aggressive, and intrusive as the first guy. We don't like corporeals anyway, and we and we definitely don't like you. Yeah. So how about we how about we turn you into the same thing we turned Zek into? That would be good. It puts him in a tough position. Like it's that thing where they're like, Oh, might maybe we'll throw you in jail too, along with the guy you're defending. And he gets pretty desperate, you know, like he and and starts like he gets he he gets some poise here. He starts to argue his case fairly compellingly, like uh, corporeal beings are interested in self-betterment and some some take a different stab at this. But Perengis take self-betterment as profit and you're sort of invalidating some some deeply held stuff about what it's like to be us in in robbing that from Zek. Say what you will about Quark's abilities. He is really good at talking his way out of a guillotine. Yeah. You know? Like, he did it when he was on Kronos. He does it again here. Right, because the, the wormhole aliens are like, Quark is a war criminal, and he believes in the <laughs> same things as Zek. <laughs> we should put him on the guillotine. And separate his head from his neck. Show him who is boss. You really want to do this here now? Okay, okay, let's do it. Do it. Quark says that look, if you lobotomize me, it's just gonna make other Ferengi curious about what you've done here, and it's gonna send more Ferengi. Yeah. You don't want that. And there's a TNG episode about this too, right? You remember the episode where they met the aliens, and then those aliens like backed up time on them except they left clues about the missing time and it and the clues ended up being yeah so enticing to them that it was a human nature thing that that brought them back again and again yeah and they were like listen you're just gonna have to let us go or everybody is gonna come here to figure out what's going on here quark's case is similar he's like look you could change me into zek but i'm telling you that's gonna be a really bad look for you because you can have a thousand ferengis wanting the same experience so why don't you not only send me back as normal, but why don't you return Zek to normal and then we'll leave you alone forever? I love the way the wormhole aliens operate here because the second his case is persuasive, they just send him back. Like there's no like there's no like yeah. great, well I'm glad we had this conversation. Like there's there's no that like They hang up without saying goodbye. The long tail of the argument is totally done away with, which is something that like you know, when I have a disagreement with my wife, I, I sometimes assume like the second we reach agreement is when the fight is over. And that is not really the case, you know, like you have to like, you have to like. 
both come down off the emotional high of having disagreed about something. God, sometimes I feel like we're we're living the same life, Ben. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. You need a decompression state. And, and what's great about the prophets is that they have no need for a decompression They're state. They're like us. It's done. Yeah, they don't need yeah. that shit. They're like, oh, we work to our way to an agreement? Great, it's over. Let's watch some fucking cheers, you know? The prophets... They're just like us. Yeah. They buy cat litter. Yeah. They return you to your corporeal state without an ending to your conversation. They're excited about that the fact that there's 11 seasons of Cheers on Netflix, and they just want to watch it right now. Yeah. So cut to the shuttle, and things are right back to normal. Yeah. Zach is his greedy old self. He, uh, he's like, hey, like, let's, uh, let's wrap this up pretty quick. I gotta go sell this orb to the Bajorans, and... He doesn't seem to have a memory for what's happened to him, though, right? Yeah, which is fucked up. Yeah. That's a little too clean. Yeah. I think so, too. Like, if he was disgusted at the way he had acted... Yeah. That would be a, a pretty interesting thing to watch that go through. Right. Yeah, there's just no time, though. We gotta button this thing up. But there's one more button unbuttoned, Ben. Yeah, it's the it's the matter of the Carrington Awards. We gotta fi- we gotta watch the uh, the award ceremony. And Dr. Bashir has not gone to the Kodak Theater or whatever for the right. for the the ceremony. So presumably, yeah. if he wins, it'll be one of those like Dr. Bashir could not be present, but a member of the Hopi Nation is here to accept the award <laughs> on his behalf. <laughs> I mean, everyone at the parties printed out their Vanity Fair <laughs> list of awards and nominees. Yeah. Going to try to win the prize pool. Yeah. But uh, the mistake they all made is that they is that they bet on Bashir because the winner is not Bashir. It is, in fact, Dr. Henri Roger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the thing about Roger is that uh, there's probably an entire book full of scientists that are very similar to him already. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's called a thesaurus. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I I bad joke hat trick this episode. Wow. I think I got three into the net. Wow. God, what a what a terrible thing to do. Yeah. I don't deserve any award for this. I don't know what to make of it. Neither does Bashir. He's uh, he's pretty blind. You know, you know, he he'd been uh, he got caught at one point by Odo, like writing his acceptance speech. I think he thought he was gonna win, and uh, instead, Homie lost. And like the truth of the matter is, he's disappointed because he's vain. Yeah, we've always known this about him. Last uh, couple scenes of the episode, uh, Ram and Quark see Zek and Maherdu off. They've uh, burned all copies of the revised rules of acquisition. From his sneezes, we can surmise that Grand Nagus is back on that snuff. And yeah, like they uh, they depart, and Quark and Ram are talking about how it's a shame that they didn't make any money off of all this all of this uh, trouble. And Ram reveals something. That is quite delightful to Quark. Yeah, they ripped off Zek. What are you talking about? 
I'm talking about the Ferengi Benevolent Association. Did you know it was funded with Zek's personal fortune? Yeah, and ripping off the leader of your society if you're a Ferengi is actually a really good thing. Yeah, it's a power move. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of dig that. And fun to see it coming from Rom. Like, fun to see Rom get a, get a W. Right? Because Rom takes the L so much. He has taken a couple of W's lately in the defense of his son, for instance. Yeah. And then this episode when he says, look, man, it's my apartment and my rules, so quit fucking up my spot. Yeah. Like, he's he's getting brave, and I like it. I'm into it. Morn. 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 Sweet. Morn. 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 You near, buddy? Morn. Stop. Have a time. Did you like the episode? I mean, I'm coming around to the idea that Zek and Luxana Troy are not equivalent chaos agents. I think I like the episode for its trip back into the wormhole to talk to the prophets. I think that's such a strong scene that it it buoys the rest of the ep. It's funny how much more effective Quark is in talking to the prophets than Cisco is. Yeah. But also kind of believable. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, I don't see Quark living out the rest of his life with any sort of religious meaning. Like, he's a tourist. He's a religious tourist in the way that Cisco could be, but is not. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. I like that he was there to, like, in in a way, he is more of a true explorer uh, in that sense than Cisco is. Yeah. But Cisco needs it in a way spiritually that Quark does not. Like it was so affecting to Cisco because he got to see his wife again. And I don't think uh I think that's that's a ton of meaning that Quark can't possibly get. What about you, Ben? I like the episode. One thing I thought a lot about in watching it is how many times we've seen Quark do something that is unredeemable. And how in this, like, this is best case scenario quirk where he is a bit of a crook, but he's got a heart of gold and, and also like fights for what's right in spite of being a bit of a crook. And they've missed that tone a few times. I think this is like the, this is like the best case scenario for representing what this character is about. So yeah. for a Quark episode, it's it's uh, up there for me. Yeah, you know what? I want to qualify my own rating in the same way. For a Quark episode, pretty strong. As a Deep Space Nine episode, this feels like a mid-season pad. Fair. You know what always pads our stats, Ben? <laughs> the priority one messages. What do you say we, uh, we uncork one of those? Let's do it. See if the liquid is brown. <laughs> Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. The first is of a personal nature. It is from the Ferndale Friends of DeSoto. And it's to Ben and Adam, or possibly Adam and Ben. It goes like this. My God, how did we leave you with no P1s for the Ferndale live pod? Right? We may need Vichy French guy to boo at us. After this way, the one guy in the crowd kept booing. I remember that guy. From all the friends of DeSoto here in Michigan, thank you for bringing Greatest Gen Con to Michigan. 
complete with viewer-based sound effects, and we're all looking forward to the next tour. Aw. Hey, that's nice. That Ferndale show was super duper fun. It was. That was the, I think, the most stressful one on uh, on the tour thus far as of this recording. We set up for that show and realized that we'd left a key piece of equipment in Atlanta the night before. So Yeah, there's no going back for that one. Yeah, so I had to take like a crazy lift ride to Best Buy to replace it like while we were doing sound check and my lift driver was watching football on television while driving me. Right. Pretty intense show. But uh, I think we had a really good time doing the show on stage, right? Yeah, we'd definitely go back. Yeah. The place was great. That was, a, that was a really, really fun one. But thank you, Ferndale Friends of DeSoto, for getting a P1. Yeah. Good job by you. You don't need VC French guy to boo at you. That, that guy's already been in this show. <laughs> <laughs> what would it even sound like, Ben? The Friends of DeSoto from Ferndale, Michigan. I work criminals. <laughs> Who is paying for this propaganda on the priority one message? Oh, <laughs> Adam, do we have another P1? Ben, our second priority one message is also of a personal nature. It is from Benjamin R. Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's from us? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm fin- I'm phonetically taking a run at that. Yeah. It is for Jim Skizimoda, and it's all caps. So, <laughs> Jim Skizimoda. <laughs> the message goes like this: I so linear, you so linear, we all so linear for isolinear chips. <laughs> okay. And communication. I don't remember sending this to you. We must have been yeah. very drunk when we when we uh, went on to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and paid $100 for a personal message. I'm just glad we didn't accidentally spend $200 on a commercial message. But I think the one thing that's true is that they are both both they are both a great, great way to support the ongoing production of this program. I agree with that. Gotta get that, get that, go press that. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace.
Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk schismoda? Drunk schismoda! Everything we know about the tears of the prophets are that they are super valuable. They were The Bajorans lost them, many of them to the Cardassians. They're trying to get them back. And for Quark to just, like, open the boxes whenever he wants, to have a <laughs> profound religious experience on a whim, I think is great. Like, he, I think he understands what he's doing. I think he understands the gravity of speaking to the prophets or from doing box. Yeah. But he is so cavalier about it and so willing to try to correct this thing with Zek that I just love it. <laughs> like, like he fucking takes Zek's shuttle and goes into the wormhole. If any scientist or if Ben Sisko himself had an orb <laughs> and a chance to go into the wormhole to speak to the prophets, I feel like he would really think long and hard about whether or not he wanted to do that. And <laughs> reflexively, Quark is in. Yeah. Just all the way in. And I think that's great. Like, I'm all for 
I'm all for respecting a religious deity, but not to the point of like of fear. Yeah. Or changing your behavior. Quark is true to himself. Quark's going to go into that wormhole and he's going to talk to some to some prophets. And I think that's great. That's what makes him my Shimoda. What about you? In that scene when uh, they're reading out the, the nominees and announcing the winner of the Carrington Award, it's one of these classic, like, getting a big group of people together to hang out problems that arises sometimes, which is that there are not enough seats for all the people that have have uh, have gathered together. There mm-hmm. are there are four seats in this scene. Dax and Bashir both have a seat, but uh, you know Kira and Cisco and O'Brien are also in the scene. They don't have seats, and there are a number of other Bajoran and Starfleet officers present. Every time they cut away from the widescreen TV to the uh, to the crowd that is gathered to see whether Bashir won this award or not. And uh, the two other Starfleets that got seats are like total red shirts, but specifically the guy in the actual red shirt is my Shimoda because he's sitting in that seat with the expression of a guy that realizes that maybe he should have given the seat to the commander, but it's like too late. The moment is already too awkward for him to get up and say, oh, uh, you should probably sit down here. Because you are way higher rank than I am. Like he is, he is like, his teeth are visible and he is visibly stressed out. And I just believe that this, like the guy that, the extra that played this part decided to make his motivation like feeling the awkwardness of the idea that he's sitting down and a bunch of his superiors are standing right next to him and he is not like giving it up for them. <laughs> I just I, I love how stressed out he looks in this moment. So uh yeah, that that solid. one red shirt is my Shimoda. Good one. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season three, episode seventeen, Visionary. And uh the Netflix description is Romulans arrived to study reports on the Dominion a privilege granted in exchange for the use of the cloaking device aboard the Defiant. The Amazon description is, an accident causes O'Brien to jump into the near future where he witnesses his own death and worse. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we've ever gotten two more different episode capsules than those. I think they're growing apart. Like, the... The Netflix guy is getting lazier and the Amazon guy is getting more like, maybe I should be writing like taglines for movie posters is like, is like the motivation I'm seeing here in the Amazon guy. Wow. I'm excited for this episode. Or gal. They could both be gals. I don't know. Yeah. Or, you know, they could be theys. Let's figure out in which way we're going to review this episode, Ben. All right. Well, we are currently on square 38 on the game of buttholes, the will of the prophets. Just taking our sweet-ass time crawling across this game board. We really are. I like it. We're sort of edging the game. Yeah. I mean, since the upgrade, I don't think we've had a single spesh app, right? Yeah. I know. What is going on with the way uh, the way this thing was designed? That it's like tricking us into not doing crazy episodes. Are you speculating that there's some back-end code? shenanigans involved here's what i'm saying the code is available on github or something like that if you go to 
gach.biz slash game and scroll to the bottom of the page. You can see, you can like find the source code. Uh, oh man, you, you are you going to let our game get get hacked by elite hacksaws, Ben? No, I'm saying I want I want somebody to look at the source code and make sure that there's nothing fishy going on because I want to make sure that uh, that everything is on the up and up here. And uh, you just want to get drunk more. That's what I think. Maybe. <laughs> You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Roll them bones, Ben. All right, I'm going to roll them. I have rolled a five. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which kicks us all the way up to square 43, which is a plain mm. old ep. But yeah. uh, that puts us in striking distance of a the Traveler square. And uh, also, I believe, in striking distance of a wormhole that would take us to a fuck it, we'll do it live square. Wow. So, got some hurdles coming up. Yeah. Indeed. We should wrap it up there, though, Adam. The next yeah. episode is just going to be a reg app, and uh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. It's an episode that will be on the reg. Adam, I love doing podcasts with you, and I love that the Friends of DeSoto support us in so many ways. They support us financially by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate and contributing on a monthly basis to the show. Uh, that has uh, made... A huge difference in both of our lives and also a huge difference in our ability to take this show as seriously as we do. We have a lot of costs associated with the growth of the show and also a lot of time spent every week doing this show. So uh, we, uh, we really, really appreciate those folks. Of course, there's also non-financial ways to support the show if you're not in a position financially to do that. Uh, you can uh, tweet about the show using the hashtag GreatestGen. You could tell a friend about the show. Tell somebody how much you like it. Uh, you can uh, go on Facebook and join all of the groups there. And uh, join a Reddit group. Or uh, or look at the Wikia that uh, has all the, uh, all the origins of all of the running gags on the program. You know someone who could use a Wikia of their own is Adam Ragusia. Yeah. If you were to count up all the little references that are sprinkled throughout uh, his interstitial music that he's made for our show, yeah, I think that'd be pretty interesting stuff. He, of course, uh, has chopped and screwed the great music of Dark Materia, <laughs> uh, that music being the main theme song of the Greatest Generation program. Yeah. But uh, Adam Ragusia continues to do great work for us uh, for our podcast projects as well as our live shows, and we thank him. True indeed. Got to thank Bill Tilly, the creator of uh, of super fun baseball style cards for every episode. He's making jokes on top of jokes in a way that I really enjoy. And uh, you can check out his work by going to Twitter and finding him at Bill Tilly 1973. With that, but we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that I will describe one way and Ben will describe like he's watching a completely different episode. <laughs> so one of us works for Netflix and the other works for Amazon? Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Fun.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.